All right. Good morning, Hilton Head Island Community Church. Hi. I love it. The uh, 11 a.m. service is always more rambunctious, I feel like. You know, like you guys, you guys slept in a little bit more maybe, or maybe you just got up earlier and got all your exercise in and now you're ready to go. I don't know what it is, but hey, I'm glad to be here this morning. My name is Clint uh, Trebesh, and my wife and I and my family work with the Navigators in Atlanta, Georgia, specifically with college students at Georgia State University. And I love coming back here to Hilton Head Island and this church for a couple reasons. One is uh, my, my in-laws, my wife's parents, have been members here since the beginning, uh, literally. And so I was able to see this church start. I remember coming when it met in a, in a school and, and, and to see it grow and to see it impact this community and to hear stories of this church, you know, impacting 35 families or homes because of the hurricane. It's just amazing. And I love that. And I love coming back to this church because you guys uh, partner with us, you support us, you make it possible, you help make it possible for us to impact college students in Atlanta, to disciple them, to raise them up, uh, to know God, to love God, follow God, and then to send them out in the workplace, in engineering companies, in, you know, wherever it is, maybe even some as missionaries uh, all over the world. We love that. And so thank you for letting me come join you all this morning um, Todd Cullen is away with his son, Sean, so I have the privilege of speaking with you guys this morning. Such a joy. Hey, this week is a big week, right? How many of y'all have family coming into town? Or maybe you are the family that has come into town. Um, that's me. I'm the family coming into town this week. But Thanksgiving is here, and Thanksgiving always points us back to what? Thankfulness. The answer is thankfulness, right? And so... <laughs> This is, not, this is not a choose-your-own-adventure story, like there's a right and a wrong answer to that question. Thankfulness. Um, so yeah, this week is about thankfulness, right? And um, you know, a lot of countries have something like this. You know, our country chose to make a holiday to support and, and help us remember thankfulness once a year. And somehow we've tied it to the pilgrims. I don't even know how that works, but... Uh, that is what we celebrate this week. But here this morning, we're going to be talking about an idea called fearless thanks. Fearless thanks. And here, here's my hope, here's my desire for us, that this would not be a message that just is the diving board into a, a week of a holiday, right? I don't, I don't want this to be a message that just reminds us of Thanksgiving, the holiday. But rather as believers, followers of Jesus, a church, of Jesus, that this would be something that permeates and penetrates every aspect of our lives, a heart, a desire, an attitude, ambitions that reflect thankfulness to our great God every day, every day. Um, and we get to explode into this this week of Thanksgiving uh, this morning. So we're going to jump into the word. I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to get into 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 here. <clears throat> Would you all pray with me? Father, as we open your word this morning, I pray in, in Jesus' name, may you give us hearts and ears to hear and perceive and eyes to see and understand your word and your truth. God, this is your word. May you speak and lead us to the realization of what you want um, us to, to embrace and live by in terms of seeing and acknowledging and admiring and adoring and thanking you in every aspect of our lives. So Lord, I pray for your hand upon our message this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Hey, turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Verses 16 through 18. Some of it's going to come up on the, on the, on the screen here. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Paul, an apostle, right? He was um, chosen by God. Jesus came to him directly in, in, uh, in this crazy instance. Uh, said, Paul, you're going to be the one who I send to bring my gospel message, my good news of redemption and restoration for all people. You're going to be the one that goes and is going to start moving this in places that have never heard it before. And this, this church, the Thessalonian church, is one of those places. And Paul had traveled there, had spent some time there, and left, and he writes this letter as a follow-up. And this is one of his earliest letters. And a lot of his letters he wrote about 30 to 60 years after Jesus uh, had died, was buried, cruci- you know, crucified, was buried, and then rose again. About 30 plus years later, Paul started writing these letters to these churches, and a lot of them share some th- similar themes. Um, and one of the themes of this particular letter he writes to these people, this church, is you are doing a phenomenal job with faith. Faith. And because of that, I want you to keep going. Don't stop. Don't lose sight of what's most important. And so this is in light of that. This is a keep going. Don't stop. Don't give up. And he says this in 1 Thessalonians 5 to this church. He says, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For what? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is the will of God. And I, I work with college students, and I hear, I hear this issue come up a lot. College students ask me all the time, what is God's will for my life? And I know college students are the only ones asking that, right? A lot of us are asking that. What is God's will for my life? Now, when I hear it, it's often in the context of, I really like this girl, or I really like this guy. What is God's will for my life? I don't know, you know, it's like, we got to wrestle through a lot of other things first. Um, But, you know, we often ask this, what is God's will for my life? And here is one place Paul clearly writes, this is God's will for your life. And I read this, I've read this many times, and I I just have a tendency to brush over that and and not even acknowledge, like, here is a specific area God says, it is my will that you live in such a way that reflects this, right? And, but what's our tendency? Sometimes we think, well, yeah, I want to be joyful always. You know, I, I want to have a great prayer life. And there may be the desire there, and we may even give a lot of lip service to this, you know. But when Paul says this, he's saying, you have to live this out. We can't just talk about this right? We can't just have a desire. We have to live this out. And so he says, I want you to rejoice in all things. I want you to pray in all things. I want you to give thanks in all things. Prayerful, joyful, thankful, always unceasingly in all circumstances. Right now, over these last number of weeks, there have been some hard circumstances. Many of you and a lot of people have experienced with Hurricane Matthew, the tragedy that it has brought, people have been displaced from their homes, homes have been damaged, even destroyed. 
uh, flooding trees, you know, a lot of these things, economically, financially, you know, is this such a burden, right? The circumstances have not been ideal for giving thanks for some people. I think in, in light of uh, the political spectrum that we've gone through over the last many months, you know, there have been instance after instance after instance where I've seen, and it's broken my heart, because I've seen Christians, believers, followers of Jesus spewing things out on social media and other places. I'm just like, really? Can we not just stop and just say, God, you have done amazing things. Give thanks in all circumstances. Think of it. Always giving thanks for everything, no matter the circumstance. It's not a once a year celebration. It's a daily reality that changed the life of Paul, who wrote this, and the people of this church, and made them a joyful people in every situation. Right? Thanksgiving, the, the giving of thanks, the giving of praise to God for all of his blessings should be one of the most distinctive marks of a believer, of a Christian, because we're in Jesus Christ. We must not allow a spirit of ingratitude, right, an unappreciation to harden our hearts, to chill our relationship with God and others and to cool that down. Because the reality is this, nothing, I've found, I've seen this working with people for years, nothing turns us into bitter, selfish people, dissatisfied, uncontent more quickly than ungrateful hearts. Nothing will do more to restore our contentment and the joy of our salvation than a true spirit of thankfulness, too. I heard a story um, a number of years ago of of this woman named Haley Bartholomew. Haley Bartholomew uh, is a mother, wife. Uh, She she works full-time. And her story that she had written about was that she had hit a point in her life uh, with all that she had going on, with her kids, with her husband, her work, where she just, she just was totally burnt out and, and totally uninterested in even continuing to engage in the daily aspects of life. She was hitting depression. She hit this low point in her life, and she realized, I don't care. I just don't care. And so uh, it had gotten so bad. She went to her pastor. She said, I, I need help. I need help with this. Help me out. He said, well... You know, let's talk through this as they talked. He said, what if you um, do a little project? What if you go around and you see, you know, you're interacting with your kids, your husband, your coworkers, all these things. What if you, on your smartphone, you just snap pictures of the daily instances of your life. And then at the end of the day, look through those. Just see what happens. Let's try it. So she said, all right, I don't know what that's going to do. So she, she does it. And she starts taking pictures you know, of her kids, her husband, her coworkers, these things, doing these things. And it was not long until she realized, wow, I've been ignoring, neglecting, missing out on so many beautiful aspects of my life. Where she was previously frustrated and exhausted and weary from being a mom and with her kids. She's frustrated with her husband. You know, she had desires and these things she wanted her husband to be doing and secretly just harboring some bitterness. And as she's taking these pictures, she's seeing images of the joy in her kids' faces. She's seeing images of their young, you know, state of life and, and their, their ambitions. 
She took pictures of her husband, you know, and I don't, I don't know exactly how this looked. If maybe her husband was like, she's taking pictures of me, I got to boost this up or what. I don't know, but, uh, you know, she's, she's taking pictures of him serving her in ways she wasn't realizing before, but, but it dawned on her, this is, there are things happening that I'm oblivious to, which she's not even paying attention to. Her husband is setting the table. She wanted her husband to serve her more. And she thought, he sets the table all the time, and I just even pay attention to this. You know, and so what it did for her is it made her stop and cap- picture, capture pictures of her life and examine them to see, wow, I have so much to be grateful for. And, and it began to just radically change her perspective on how she interacted with the people closest to her. It began to radically change her outlook on how to have a heart of thanks instead of a heart of bitterness. And I look at this, this woman's life and I think, that speaks to so many of us that if, if we could only stop and pause and free ourselves from the distractions and the preoccupations of life and the busyness of life, if we could, I'm losing sorry guys, if we could only stop and, and look at these things and we can say, you know what? I have so many things I can be grateful for. I have so many things to praise God for, to thank God for. This applies to me directly. Um, about a year ago, it was about this time a year ago, Thanksgiving kind of inspired this. My wife and I um, were talking about what, what can we do, uh, what can we engage in to, to really kind of strengthen our marriage, boost our marriage a little bit, speak words of affirmation. And my wife had the idea, what if we develop uh, a journal where every day we just write a short word of thanks? to each other in it. Or maybe it can be to God. But every day, each of us are going to write a short word of thanks in this. We call it our thankful journal. I was like, that is a great idea. I love that idea. So, you know, we started out with ambition. Uh, We were excited about this. We were ambitious about this. And every day, you know, I'd be thinking, all right, I'm going to get something in. And at the end of the day is coming, and I'm like, going to bed, and I realize, oh, I've got to write something in my journal. And so I get up, and I go write something. And you know what? It lasted amazingly for about three weeks. <laughs> for about three weeks. And about three weeks, you know what happened? I started getting distracted, preoccupied, and it, and it became frequent or infrequent and, and far between when we were actually engaging in this. And my wife would come up to me sometimes and she'd say, Clint, did you write in the journal knowing that I hadn't written anything for like five days, you know? And I'd be like, oh yeah, thanks, you know? And I'd go and I'd try to catch up on like several days at a time. And it just wasn't even the point at all, you know. And, uh, and, and eventually it came to the point where it just kind of fell apart. We dropped the ball on it. And, and I look at that and I think that is such a reflection of my life. That there are times where I get excited and ambitious and, you know, the new idea comes and, Lord, I want to be thankful. I'm so grateful for this. Something new has happened and I'm excited and thankful. And then in about... Maybe it's even a couple of hours, I lose sight. And I default back to these distractions and preoccupations, and I just lose sight of this attitude of thankfulness. You know, we've heard this catchphrase, an attitude of gratitude. And I lose sight of that. And I think, you know what, Lord, if, if I could be someone that reflects this in my life, with my family, and my marriage, and my parenting, with work, among my coworkers, employees, employers, in play, in recreation, in whatever relationship or whatever responsibility I have, 
Here's the question I ask myself, and, and, and I beg you to ask this to yourselves. What circumstances are you up against that are hindering you or keeping you from an attitude of thankfulness? What do you have going on in your life right now where you, found your, where you find yourself hindered from giving thanks to God? And there are a lot of legit, legitimate realities in our lives that we can use to justify, right? Why, well, if you only knew this is going on in my life, you'd see how difficult it is too. But here's what Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5. In all circumstances, give thanks. Pray without ceasing. Rejoice. Always, in all circumstances, no matter what's going on, for this is the will of God for you. And thankfulness, we have to realize, it's, it's an integral part of our prayer life. It's God's will for us. It's commanded, and it's life-giving. It's not an option for those who know, love, and follow Jesus. This is what he wants for us. In Philippians 4, 6 and 7, we're going to flip over to that. Philippians 4, 6 and 7, this was a passage that early on in my faith, I became a Christian as a freshman in college, and this is one of the first passages uh, that I really noticed and observed, and it started to change my outlook on life in so many ways. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, here's what Paul, again, he writes this other church in Philippi. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, right? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And you know what the context of this passage is? Paul's writing to these people who are struggling with a lot of things, and, and he says, you know what? What we, what we need to set our hearts and our minds on, a few verses before this is, he says, rejoice always. It's the exact same thing he writes to the Thessalonian church. There's a theme culturally going on in the world at the time. It might be hard to rejoice in all circumstances. He says, rejoice always. Again, I say it, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. And this is what's so key. He says, because the Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is present. Therefore, do not be anxious about anything. Because God is with you in your midst. He has not leaving you or forsaken you. Do not be anxious about anything. I had a student recently who, who claims this idea of deism, which I didn't even realize much about, but he said, I believe God set everything in motion and then bailed and left. And that's why the world is falling apart. I said, Really? And I actually said, can we look at this verse? It says right here, the Lord is at hand. He's with you. So do not be anxious about anything. Which implies there's a lot to be anxious about. There's a lot to be stressed about. Financial burdens. Family burdens. Relational burdens. There's a lot to be anxious about in this world we live in. We have a new government that is building <clears throat> right now. Right? There's a lot of uncertainty. Like, what, what's going to actually happen over these next number of years? We hope good, a lot of good, but there's, there's uncertainty, and it can bring anxiety. It can bring a sense of anxiousness, and it's dividing our country, creating 
problem after problem, there's a lot to be anxious about. And the response to this anxiety, this stress, this worry is what? In everything, have an attitude of thanks in our prayers. (laughs) Pray. This is is a call directly to say, you, church in Philippi, really love to take things into your own hands. You, church in Philippi, really want to be the solution and the answer to your problems. So you, church, everywhere, we have to realize our dependence on God is what is most vital, not our independence from him. In everything, by prayer and petition, supplication with thanksgiving, the Lord is at hand. You know, when, um, when I was in, in college, early on in my faith, I, I, I became acutely aware of the need I had for someone to be helping me in my walk with God and my relationship with him, someone to invest in my life. We call this discipleship. And I, and I realized I have a lot of problems and I can't fix them. And somebody's got to help me out with this, right? Um, I just want, I want to reflect Jesus in my life. And, and so that became something that has really been a huge value in my life. And, and just a f- few years ago, a handful of years ago, um, I hit a point where I just was lacking that figure in my life. Someone to invest in me, pour in me, help me grow. And, and so that I sought out an older businessman in the community. His name's John. And I said, John, I've been around him a little bit. I said, John, I admire your life. He's about 50 years older than me. I said, you've been through a lot. You're seasoned. You, you have a lot of wisdom. Help me out. I really would love to meet with you. Maybe we could get together once a month. Um, and, and would you ask me a few questions? Would you ask me, how am I doing in my relationship with God? How am I doing leading my wife? How am I doing leading my children? How am I doing leading my ministry, the ministry God's given me? Would you ask me some of these questions? Real life, raw questions. Don't hold back. He said, I'd love to, Clint. And I looked at his life and I thought, John had, he said, such a great attitude. I just viewed him as a humble man, thankful in so many things. And that's what drew me to him. And as I started spending time with John, I was blown away by the amount of tragedy he had experienced in his life. I'm talking his college daughter was killed in a hit and run drunk driving accident. He and his wife went through the loss of a child, an adult child, who had a huge, bright future. The the sorrow and the pain that that brought in their lives. His wife went through two or three bouts with cancer over the course of 15 or 20 years. They went through economic turmoil, financial turmoil with a business that they owned. They just had problems after problem. And I remember thinking, John, I didn't have any idea any of this was going on in your life. And I, and I remember him saying, Clint, when you have a small view of God, the problems of this world seem big. But when you have a big view of God and you see God for who he really is, the problems of this world, no matter how big they may seem in the moment, are small problems. And I remember thinking, whoa, that's, that's why I'm seeking time with you. That's what I need to hear in my life. And it was so profound for me to think, God, I want my view of you to increase and expand so that whatever I experience in life, I would have an unwavering faith 
and an attitude and a heart and a mentality dependent on the Lord, not on the circumstances that would dictate my life. And John blessed me immensely and still does to this day. This is a man who had an incredible attitude of gratefulness in his life for what God had given him and what God had allowed him to go through and his faith was incredibly strong. No matter what anxiety, no matter what stress, no matter what worry, what are the issues? What are the people? Who are the people? What are the situations that you need to entrust to the Lord and pray through with a foundation of thankfulness? What are these things? Each of us have them. All of our prayers, all of our dependence on God requires us to be thankful. And it's an integral part of our Christian life. In Psalm 79, verse 13, I love this perspective from the psalmist. Psalm 79, 13, written at a time when there's great turmoil in the world. And the psalmist writes this in verse 13. He says, But we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, will give what? Thanks to you what? Forever. From generation to generation, we will recount your praise forever. I can't even wrap my mind around this. I can't wrap my mind around what it would look like to live in a time, you know, much later than this, when Paul was writing the letters we looked at earlier, to live in a time where, uh, as a Christian, you had every reason to be afraid and stressed all the time because there was a government who swept through town after town and village after village, rounding up Christians to either exile them or kill them. I can't imagine what it would be like to live in a time like that. But this was the reality of Christians in the first century. This is the reality that God's people have experienced forever. That there is so much turmoil. And here we see this psalmist write, we, your people, we, the sheep of your pasture, give you thanks forever and ever. Which makes us ask the question, who really is this God? Who really is this God that we can thank, praise, worship, and adore? Because as we sang here just earlier, as we sing, there is no one higher, no one greater, no one like our God. And through the storm, he is Lord, Lord of all. Do we mean it? Do we mean what we sing? I mean, I think, I think Jesus is worshipped and praised and adored beautifully. And we, we have to ask ourselves the question, do we really mean with our lives what we sing? Are we counted among the people here, we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, his sheep, or are we counted among the outsiders? Because here's, here's something that we have to recognize, that in our culture, in our world, in our, in our society, we have a tremendous amount of um, things impressing on our lives, influences on our lives, Right? And these influences are pushing us in one of three directions. The first direction is in line with what this says. We, your people, the sheep of your pasture, points us in a, in a direction of godliness. Godliness, which is to say, Lord, you are Lord. You are who you say you are. You are 
in my life, who you say you are, you have done what you said you've done, and you will do what you promise you will do. And because of that, I will submit and surrender my life to you, and it'll be hard, and it'll be difficult, but godliness is the direction of my life. And, and I want to thank you and praise you forever. Living to imitate Christ and reflect Christ. Or the influences of this world can point us in a direction where we say, that sounds great, but the actions of my life uh, actually speak louder to ungodliness where I recognize God exists, I just choose to go a different direction. And I choose to reject him or rebel against him. And so the actual fruit of my life is as though I'm not following God. The actual fruit of my life is as though I really have nothing to be thankful for in my life. I have nothing to praise God for. Because I am my captain. I am the God of my life. I'm in control. And the third direction this world can influence is godlessness, right? So we can go godliness, ungodliness, or godlessness, which is basically to say God doesn't even exist in my life. I'm talking about how we actually live. Do we live in such a way where the people around us wouldn't even recognize an imprint of God in our lives? Because it's godless. And I'm amazed working in Atlanta and here in, you know, in the Bible Belt, how many young men and women I meet every year who grew up in church, who grew up having said some prayer when they were a kid of salvation. And I look at their lives and I think, I don't see God anywhere. I don't see God anywhere in your life. You know, and they think, well, you know, I think I'm fine. You know, like, I'll try to be a good person now. And, and you know, and we just have to wrestle through, well, the world and the culture have thrown so much at us to influence us, really in the pursuit of godlessness and ungodliness. And the psalmist writes, we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, we will give you thanks forever. Because here's what's really at stake. From generation to generation, we will recount your praise. Because do we realize, do we see that the way we live is influencing those who are coming after us. I have three daughters, a one-year-old, a three-year-old, and a five-year-old, and I'm in a lot of trouble with three daughters that are growing up. And uh, I've had many friends say, you need to invest in some artillery right now. You know, and I'm thinking, uh, in light of this election, it might be easier, but uh, that is not the answer. That is not the answer. <laughs> um, the answer is, I want to live in such a way that my children see a life of godliness. I want to live in such a way that my children are drawn to a loving father who loves us, who cares for us, who has given us life in him. Because all generations, all generations must know and embrace a life after God's heart. And so how are we living like father, like son, like mother, like daughter? Are we living in such a way that our children are being raised up to know, to love, and to follow God? With fearless thanks, depending on him, recognizing he is our sovereign, supreme king. We live in a kingship. <laughs> king, who's Lord of all. Lord of all. We sang that here. Fearless thanks requires faithful dependence on God. Let me pray.
Heavenly Father, we gather this morning here only because you have given us life in you. We're here this morning. We've come in this morning as we go into this time of Thanksgiving this week because you have brought us here, because you have given us life in you, because you love us and and you want us to experience the fullness of life, the abundance of life, this new life that you've promised us. And because of this, God, may we reflect you with gratitude. May we reflect you with thanks, recognizing what you've done for us and who you are that our lives would praise you and adore you, that we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, would give you thanks forever, that we would rejoice always, I pray, Lord, that we would give thanks in all circumstances and pray unceasingly and not be anxious about the things the world throws at us because you are Lord of all and you are with us. And so our response to you is adoration, praise, thanks, prayer, presenting our request to you. I pray, Lord, that this would be the truth of our lives. This would mark our lives. Every man, woman, child in here, God, that we will reflect you to this world and that every day of our lives will be marked by fearless thanks, not just this week in November. So, Father, go before us. Help us to reflect you because you are good and you are worth it. In Jesus' name I pray.